All right, well, let's kick it off with the biggest news story. Taylor Swift's boyfriend played sports this past weekend. Um, I, <laughs> that's about the extent of the Super Bowl that I am familiar with, is that Taylor Swift was there and she looked fabulous. Um, I think, that, though, this is a story that we can't miss out on, guys. I think we have to talk about Tech's role in it, what the commercials looked like. There's a big B2B play. Welcome, everyone, to Tech by Design where the Richmond Technology Council takes you to the edge for trending tech and innovation here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Nick Surface, CEO of RVA Tech, along with Alex Satanias, CEO of Shaco. Come join us. Yeah, kick it off. Tell me what you think. Yeah, there are a lot of tech elements, I think, in this year's Super Bowl that we can dive into. Uh, there's a little bit of AI relative to some things that AWS has done. There's some blockchain things that are happening. Um, there's the obviously the ads and, and what we're seeing uh, out of those. But we've got player performance. We've got a, a fan engagement. We've got sponsor KPIs. We've got all kinds of things going on in this one. So lots to dive into here. Alex, what, what do you think? Um, my daughter is seven and she was dying to watch the Super Bowl. So she falls into <laughs> this, uh, Taylor Swift effect. Uh, <laughs> but I'm actually on the same page as you. I think I want to talk about tech, how, how it's influencing the game, both, um, fan viewership, uh, as well as athlete performance. I, I think the Super Bowl itself was, I wouldn't say secondary, but I mean, again, like ads took center stage and it's really cool to, to see some of that come back. I think for, for some of us, there was competing sports, right? There was uh, the PGA, uh, Waste Management, and then there was also the Super Bowl. What 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 do you want to talk about? We, we started talking about Taylor Swift. Where, where do you want to go with that? <laughs> well, we could swing back through my high school years and go to Usher. Um, no, one of the things that I thought was really Usher, interesting, Usher. being someone who is not normally targeted for sports ads, was since viewership for women has increased, in large part because of Taylor Swift, the the number of ads that were targeted towards like my demographic. And I'm just curious, like we've we've talked about this some, Alex, of like AI as a personalization tool, right? For marketing and for outreach. What role does that play when it's like this huge multi-million audience? Like how can AI play a role in that? Oof. Uh, I don't think I'm equipped to answer that question. Um... I think we're still trying to figure that out. I think it's it's less about AI and more about the data. So so if we go back into the data of viewership and understanding who is actually viewing these commercials, who is viewing the game, and how do we personalize? I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's less about personalization at the Super Bowl, but it's more about eyeballs. So I would say it's less about personalization and it's less about AI, at least the game itself. The secondary experience is a whole different story, but um, the game itself is, is about understanding who is going to be watching the game. How do we capture their attention? How do we get them talking about the specific brands, the specific game, and what this is all about? I think coming into, into the ads themselves, there, there's a couple that I was really interested in. Um, the first one is CoStar. I think CoStar spent a they billion homes. dollars. Homes.com, apartments.com. Yeah. Um, they they wanted to spend a billion dollars, and, and I think um, their CEO said that the intent was to get in front of 90% of viewers across across uh, across the game. So I think if they had 100 million viewers, 130 million viewers, they, they basically got into 80, eight, what is it, 80 million people's eyeballs or attention. So I think that's less about personalization, but there's a second screen that, that we're not talking about, right? The screen yeah. that sits on your lap as we're watching the game, that's where AI is, is huge, right? Like it's how, how do we personalize the experience of people that are basically swiping their phone as they're watching the game, both on the field and off the field? That's really cool. 
Yeah, and well, you saw some um, uh, chopping away or, or smaller bites of, of the things that were invested in as the pure ad product. And the one I'm thinking of is the Dunkings ad with Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon. But it's all over social now in other ways as well, whether it's the outtakes or other snippets or other branches um, that could then lead to other commercial elements later on down the road as well. So even though it's a it's a heavy chunk of change to spend on one event, I think a lot of these brands are looking for ways to expand beyond that that one hit. But Alex, you were talking about uh, personalization for this. And what's interesting now is that we have so many uh, platforms that showcase the event. So those different platforms have different audiences that maybe allow you to tailor a little bit more. And what I mean specifically is if you're watching on linear TV, you get local ads. Whereas if you are on Paramount Plus, you didn't get the local ads. If you watched on Nickelodeon, they actually did a Dora the Explorer explanatory um, stream where it had Dora pop up and explain what different uh, penalties meant and things like that. But you also have a different audience watching that. So it allows you to tailor, you know, your ad product there. So, um, yeah, as if entertainment continues to fragment through all these different streaming platforms, well, there's different audiences on those platforms. So Yeah, that's that's and that's that's what that second screen is also about. So, so you're talking about two different mm-hmm. streaming networks. But I, I think um, one thing that that was a personalization live was the Snapchat experience, right? Where where people were taking pictures of themselves and, and on the Teletron, you basically or, or the big screen up top, you saw them in in personalized helmets. So I think that that caught people's attention, which was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what what were your what were your favorite commercials? Let's go, let's go there, Lauren. What was your favorite <laughs> commercial? Now that this is this is targeted to you, as you said. I mean, I well, first off, I thought the Etsy one was hilarious with the cheese board mm-hmm. for France. Uh, and I also like I I adore Matt Damon, so I thought the Duncan one was hilarious. We continue Dunk King. to Dunk the Dunk Kings. We continue to quote that one in my house in a way that's probably not funny anymore. But I live with a three year old, so she doesn't care. So, so I want to reference two of them. The first is the Dr Pepper one that had the actual transfer portal that people were getting sucked into. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a reference to college football, and it's it, the transfer portal concept in college football has become so ludicrous. That to actually see a three like a a portal transferring you into another dimension uh, just made a ton of sense to me. It was was funny, but um, from a weirdness uh, memorability standpoint, I think it was Paramount Plus, or I think it was Paramount Plus who had all of their characters kind of standing at the bottom of a valley, looking at a mountain, and they were trying to figure out how to climb it, and. It went through a whole handful of different scenarios that were just absolutely ludicrous. And it was some of their actors, some of their cartoon characters, some of, uh, I think, Tua Tavaloa from the Dolphins was in it. Um, and it was just weird and strange. It was fantastic. And bizarre. <laughs> but you you remembered it. And you're like, every single element of it, you're like, this is not really on TV, is it? And it it was. It, at one point, they decided to throw a cartoon character's head because it looked like the shape of a football. Patrick um, Stewart no, Patrick. picked his head. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, then they decided to throw Peppa Pig because he was made out of pigskin. Um, and he was closest to a football. So it's just sometimes it's just the bizarre creative um, is interesting. Alex, give us your commercials, and then I want to talk about the player side of tech. Yeah, so so I think from my perspective, um, I was following storytelling, and the best narratives that I saw were Etsy. So Etsy had an awesome narrative, right? Like, it was funny, um, and, and it was witty. The most memorable one is Dunk Kings. Like, that, that one, I mean, that one... 
that one landed with everybody. But my favorite was the NFL story about um, the the boy that basically found himself walking through the streets of Africa. Some I don't know what what city or or what what country, but he basically found himself basically in, interacting with some of his favorite football players. And at the end, he's essentially on a football field. And and the NFL basically talks about the globalization of the sport. And I think the storytelling, the narrative behind that was probably one of the best in in my opinion. Right? It just it literally took you through the story of this boy and his love for for foot like not football as we know it worldwide, but football like American football. And I think the narrative just just resonated at, at in our household. So that was really cool. I, I think coming back to before we go into player tech, I think one of the cool things about just what we saw in the Super Bowl is the ads that were most memorable were the ones that had some of the most incredible storytelling. And and I think that's that's where, where we get back into this podcast, which is like, how do you replace great storytelling with AI? And, and I just don't, uh, in today's age, I just don't think that's possible. Well, it's not just about the tech, it's about the design. What kind of experience are you designing through the ads or through any of the other um, engagement opportunities? I think it also speaks to, Alex, you and I have talked a lot about this, of like the authenticity of the brands, of like the Etsy one is Etsy's brand and the Dunkin' Donuts one is Dunkin's brand. And instead of copying and pasting ads just across the board, if your brand isn't inspirational, like the NFL one isn't going to make sense for your brand and it's not going to resonate with consumers. And being able to find that like authentic voice is what separated the good commercials from the weird ones. Yeah, and I think it's again for um, I I've sat down with uh, Tim Ellis, who's who's the um, CMO for for the NFL, and he is super intentional about building a a brand for the league, which which is incredible, right? And and if you think about the storytelling, it wasn't just about that advertisement, right? It was there was player of the year, right? And they go through player of the year at the beginning of the game. They have um, a partnership with uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters that's been around for, for years now, I think for, for more, more than a decade, if I'm not mistaken. And then you have this commercial, right, which basically narrates this, this story. So it's all kind of stitched together in, in a masterful way. And like you see it throughout the game, which is really cool. And, and you see it by the way, like they bring in people to basically start the game. Uh, sing at the game. And I think it's just like the ad is just kind of like that cherry on top, which which kind of represents the the league as a whole, which which to me is awesome. I think it's hard to do that for, for a sports league, for a brand. Um, I'm curious to see where they go next with that. Well, and kind of on the note of like the sports league itself, um, Nick, in this article you'd sent us, it talked a lot about um, AWS mm-hmm. and how AI is working or how the NFL is using AI for a platform that would help support its players, help them train better, prepare better, play better. I'd be curious from both of you, like what sort of role you think tech plays and like how sports are played and how athletes prepare and, and kind of handle themselves. What you're referring to, Lauren, is the AWS's digital athlete program. And it's a platform that has been implemented by the NFL all season long. I think it's all 32 teams had access to it. And essentially, they're using using ML and data analytics to, um, to kind of simulate different scenarios um, strategically and for player monitoring and for safety, which is, uh, you know, the player monitoring aspect is the next element of safety that I think is could potentially help the NFL um, with its sustainability and its, its longevity long term because uh, there have been questions over the last five to 10 years over player safety, uh, what are the long-term effects, how does that affect younger players? Um, and as we get smarter with it, uh, there's an ability to now with this digital athlete program to monitor 
how players are feeling and reacting and what their bodies are saying on the field of play. And I think that's a really interesting place for us to, to amalgamate data. We, we talk about ads and commercials and sponsors and targeting you know companies but or targeting uh, consumers. But really, there's another more serious aspect here, and that's monitoring the player health. I want to take a step back. So it started way before, um, it's been around for, for way before AWS kind of coined this term, like the digital athlete. But if, if you look at LeBron James, right, he's almost 40 years old and he's still one of the best players in the league. And he, he has coaches for everything, right, from sleep to eating to nutrition. And, and most of these athletes do. But one of the things that, that LeBron basically does is he, he splits his week into three pieces, right? Rest, performance, um, rest and recovery, performance, and kind of prep. And only 20% of his week, if I'm not mistaken, is spent on performance. The rest is recovery and prepping for performance, right? Reviewing game days and, and all this other stuff. So he's been able to essentially stay at this this peak level, as, as has Tom Brady and so many different athletes, because they rest enough and they measure it. They track what they eat, they measure it. They perform and they measure it. And I think this this addition to or, or this inception of this digital athlete helps their coaches understand how they're performing during the game, after the game, and then prepping for the game, right? What are their weak spots? When do they get tired? How do they perform at an elite level? And then also, we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago on this podcast, right? How do you ensure people don't get injured? How do you ensure these athletes don't get injured? And when they are, how, how dangerous is it? Yeah, I just think it's a great example of tech making us smarter in more ways beyond just pure information providing. Um, it's not just, you know, the internet being the end-all, be-all encyclopedia. It's tech providing real-time data that allows us to change our actions or reactions to certain things, to set our schedules, to set our plans, to make more diversified plans, and to just be smarter overall in how we live. And so I think it's this is a case in point of tech helping us to design a better life. It's another strategy for the game. I, I wish they could show this, right? Um, athlete performance. They it would be cool to see yeah. actual athlete metrics correct right biometrics on the screen or yeah but i mean now now we get into personal data and all this i mean how, how like uh, yeah right uh, blah blah blah, um, blah privacy oh my gosh this is this this is really cool though i, I think um short of essentially robotics like athlete performance is going to go through the roof with this kind of tech. yeah i mean what if you could compare brock purdy and patrick mahomes like heartbeats you know on yeah. third down you can just say brock's it averages you know 92 beats per minute patrick mahomes is 72 and you just you start to see little data points like that that could be fascinating can we monitor taylor swift's heartbeat throughout uh, <laughs> like those are the kinds of things i want to know yeah. i was gonna be honest i blacked out a little bit with the the various names there i recognized patrick mahomes and the rest of them. Maybe maybe the NFL has more work to do with the the women in their 30s or, or, or audience. T- Taylor Swift does, maybe. maybe That's Taylor true. Swift. Yeah. Taylor Swift's next album could be explaining sports. Or maybe I should have watched the Dora the Explorer So, so my daughter <laughs> fell asleep at, I don't know, 9 o'clock, which was the beginning of the third quarter, roughly. Um, first question she asked me the next morning at 5 a.m. when she wakes up is, who won the game? Was it the Chiefs? Is Taylor Swift happy? (laughs) That's and and I mean that's that's been the conversation. Like she is now a football fan. She is she is now a football fan. She's like, when's the next game? Well, and it becomes like, what what can the NFL do with it? What can additional sports leagues do to convince me, even though I don't have Taylor Swift, to watch an NBA game or you know? Yet. Yeah, that's true. Yet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even this this Forbes article here talks about the Taylor Swift effect, and it says it. 
she's boosted female viewership by 53% among um, those aged 12 to 17. So that's a pretty big deal because that demographic are the ones that uh, are going to be having a majority of the spending power in 10 to 15 years. So the ads that are effective now um, you know, are going to result in purchases later. But even dads welcoming their daughters to the, you know, to the game, um, to the viewing experience, um, all kinds of different uh, effects here. Well, I know we're coming up on time. Uh, before we wrap, any last thoughts or, or we want to look ahead to next week? Well, I want to just talk basically quickly about how this affects Richmond. And I think we don't have any pro sports teams here, at least at, at the major league level. Um, but what one of the things Richmond does have is a huge, robust uh, youth sports uh, culture and community and um, economic development initiative, whether it's either in the suburbs or even in the city. Their youth sports here is tremendously huge. And I, I wonder how these tech opportunities might trickle down into that uh, community. At, at what point do we see travel teams start to employ something like the digital athlete program? You know, at what point do we see these brands, travel leagues, or even youth sports start to look at um, consumer behavior and, and how they might advertise to, to folks coming up? We, there was actually an NFL commercial that highlighted international expansion and I think it had it had a kid in a foreign country kind of running down the street and it's kind of like promoting that football is an international sport and um, I think there are certain strategies that soccer's done to uh, to to amplify that and now I see it with the NFL and I'm wondering if other sports are going to do that as well well and similarly will it change the demographic of who's playing sports yeah um, I know like Dove had a commercial about how many girls drop from sports by I think the age of like 14. 14 but similarly you know as like your daughter as more young girls watch football who's interested in it and how does that change youth sports in Richmond how does that change the brands that create sports gear and yeah. all of that kind of stuff um yeah I mean my daughter's a big golfer um but waste management is not always the most appropriate um show to have her watch yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, it's interesting because at the same time, that is the place where you see the most fans. Yeah. You see it actually looking like some of the other sports in terms of the spectator experience. Oh, it's, it's one of the best ones, yeah. Um, you, you know, there's a stadium and, um, you know, you don't usually see that. So it does it does shock you a little bit to be like, oh, wait, wait, this is golf? Um, you know, certainly the, the level of, of alcohol consumption is uh, questionable, but... Um, yeah, so coming back to Richmond, Nick, I think one of the things that I'm excited about is all tech starts like this, right? It's it's used by some of the people that could afford it, and then over years it gets commoditized, yeah. right? Um, so if you think about mobile phones, right, in the beginning of the of of this phone era, era, only executives had Blackberries, right? And then slowly but surely, everybody now basically went beyond a Blackberry and now has an iPhone. I shouldn't say everybody, but I mean you see it among so many kids. And I think from a technology perspective, like when we're talking about like this AWS um, athlete um, module, yes, elite athletes have access to it now. And only the elite ones that have personal trainers can actually interpret all the data behind it, right? Now, I think over time, what you're starting to see at, at the at the high school level, college, college is, is almost as comparable to, to the NFL, but at the high school level, you're seeing a lot of coaches, and, and I think you're probably one of them, right? You use applications to track the games, to track scores, to track results. And so that's step one, right? So now how do we use essentially 
image recognition. So you can't necessarily buy all the technology for, for high school kids. Maybe you can. But can you use some, some other forms of technology, such as video or, or image recognition, to understand performance of games? And I think it's just a matter of time before it gets there. And it's not just about coaches. What about as a parent, Alex? Can I get uh, you know biometric monitoring of my kid on the field so I can text him when he's you know at halftime, drink water, um, you know, eat a banana? Um, so you're you talking start... about the evolution of the helicopter helicopter. Apparently. I'm trying to get more involved. Yeah, I'm trying to micromanage yeah. my kid as much as possible. Um, clearly, he's not capable on his own. So, um, yeah, I want to get in there. I want to be able to tell the coach what to do. So we should call this new business in Richmond Helicopter AI. Helicopter AI. Alex, can we have Shaco design this app in 22 seconds? So long as we showcase it in the Richmond Tech Truck at S- uh, South by Absolutely. Southwest. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Well, next week, we are going to have um, the folks join us from Familiar Creatures. We're going to be talking about what makes good creative, what role AI has to play in creative. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you both for the awesome conversation. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren.